Texas Tech is looking to better their odds in Kansas City compared to the past. They're going to have to make it past a tough Iowa State team to do so. We're going to preview the Cyclones coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Um, We are a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you have not subscribed to our channel already, be sure that you do so right now. It would really help us out. We are trying to get as many subscribers over there as we can. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News, and I'm joined by Emery Lida, a longtime Texas Tech analyst and writer. Today, we are talking Iowa State as those two teams will clash in the Big 12 tournament tonight at 8.30 p.m. Central. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Emory, Texas Tech gets a third look at Iowa State. Think about the past two meetings. What have you seen from the Red Raiders that you think could translate in this game or could maybe even hurt them? Well, the first game you played with seven players. Um, I don't think anyone expected that game to go so close, especially because Iowa State came into that game with only one loss in the year. They had just lost to Baylor in their first conference game. And they were top 15 in the nation, and Tech gave them everything they could handle. And then in the second game, it was really not as close as the final score indicated. And I think that you have to be pretty optimistic. Tech has done a really good job of keeping Iowa State contained from the perimeter, forcing a lot of tough pull-up mid-range jumpers. I think that's one of the things Iowa State really relies a lot lot on, especially with Brockington. And just in general, like this team in Iowa State struggles to create offense for them. And that's something that this Tech defense has really done a good job of in their two games. I mean, you look at the game in Lubbock and Tech allowed Iowa State to only shoot five of 26 from three for 16 turnovers in that one. In general, the second half defense really sort of made made life really difficult for the Cyclones. And in the first matchup, it's hard to really take a ton away from that other than they just forced a dogfight, basically, and couldn't get the offense to win. But I'm not really concerned about that because obviously you didn't have anywhere near a full roster. Uh, so really the biggest things you can take away is defensively, I think this is a good matchup for you because Iowa State, not a particularly lethal three-point shooting team, a lot of their self-creation is limited to mid-range and pull-ups, which I think you're good at being able to defend. Uh, the playmaking can be a little bit deficient on this team when Tyrese Hunter is kind of at times making freshman mistakes. And just in general, defensively, it's a good matchup. Offensively, I think it's going to be difficult to score, but it's the same boat for Iowa State. So I'm not sure it's really much of a disadvantage there. Yeah, I want to talk about Hunter in our next segment because he's been doing some pretty crazy things the last couple of games. Obviously, still been playing like a freshman, but some of the numbers that he's putting up right now are just otherworldly. But in terms of a team standpoint, I mean, I mentioned this in our in our second Iowa State preview. Um, I, I thought that these two teams matched up really well. I think that Texas Tech matches up with Iowa State really well in terms that Iowa State is not a team that shoots the three particularly well. Uh, They rely a lot on the inside, and Texas Tech has done a consistently good job at taking that away. This is a team that really struggles to find offense at times. I mean, we were talking about this on uh, on our awards recap the other day, just talking about the fact that if this team didn't have Isaiah Brockington, man, what, what would they look like? They, they would be bottom feeders in the Big 12. There's really no debate to it. Um, but they have him, and 
their offense, it does get stagnant at times, but they, they still move the ball pretty well. They just are not generating shots at a high level. They like to slow the game down on both ends, make you work for every single shot um, and make your defense just sweat it out for, for those 30 seconds on the shot clock. So these are two teams that are really interesting to me. Um, I, I do think that they match up. Texas Tech particularly matches up well against this Iowa State team. I, I really don't want to look at that first game too much. I, I just think that it's it's not a good indicator of, of what either of these teams are about. I think that particularly for Texas Tech, if you're going to analyze this game, I think you've got to be looking at it in terms of what you did well. Um, so Texas Tech obviously had a very, very good defensive performance that night, holding a team to 51 points. And I think that was indicative, obviously, of how this Iowa State team kind of struggles in this matchup. But that second game in Lubbock is really where I'd want to focus most of my time. Um, Texas Tech uh, just abused the free throw line in that game. It was crazy. They had a free throw rate of 83%. That is sky high. Um, and, and so I just think that Maybe maybe the 72 points that they scored against Iowa State in that Lubbock matchup are a little inflated due to the free throw line. But I'm interested to see how Texas Tech kind of continues to rely on that side of the ball. Also, uh, Iowa State was really, really good on the offensive glass against Texas Tech in that game. And Lubbock didn't really come back to haunt, haunt them. Obviously, as you mentioned, Red Raiders were pretty much in control of that one for most of the game. Uh, I believe it was Condit who got into foul trouble. And once that happened... Texas Tech just kind of ran away with the game, but interested to see what Texas Tech does in terms of its approach to the free throw line and also defensive rebounding, because those are two things that I think have really elevated this offensive struggles as of late. Yeah, certainly Iowa State, when Condit gets into foul trouble and they have to go small, it's caused issues. I mean, you look at the game in Lovick and Condit only played 14 minutes and when he was in there, I mean, he only had three rebounds. Obviously, his interior presence on the defensive side of things is something that I feel like is one of the more underrated aspects of any player in the conference. But in general, this Iowa State team that, I mean, there's no real part of them offensively that is too scary. They're not a team that shoots the ball great from three. Obviously, Brockington is a really talented individual player, one of the best pull-up threats in the country when it comes to shooting the mid-range. But in terms of getting in the rim and creating for others is something that he's probably not as skilled as some of the other Big 12 guards that Tech will have to face. And then you look at the rest of their roster, and there's really they're pretty good at getting the rim and converting there about 64% on the year, but nothing that like stands out compared to the rest of the country. And certainly, I mean, Tyrese Hunter's had some really good games as of late, but he's also, like we mentioned, he's a freshman. He's some five on I think it was two of nine shootings so he's a guy that really is going to be kind of key to their efforts and we'll get into that in the next segment but for me I mean their text ability gets the free throw line won them the game in love or at least made it to where it was such a blowout and I know the final score was only a 12 point game but it was I believe 23 minutes so This was a game that you won comfortably in Lubbock. Obviously, the free throws helped out. You shot 23 more attempts than Iowa State did. But even then, I mean, this is is a team that you've had relative success against this year. It's a matchup that, like you said, I think Tech matches up really well against them. And, I mean, I'm excited because I think that this is going to give you a good barometer as to whether or not your struggles at the end of the season were more along the lines of just it being a time frame thing or if it was something – 
where it was just matchup dependent and TCU and Oklahoma State sort of finding the right matchups to exploit. Yeah, I want to circle back around to that in our keys to the game because I do think that it's something to note on just how this Iowa State team matches up with Texas Tech, especially down low. But first, we've got to talk about some individual players. Um, But first, a quick word from our sponsors. I love March Madness and Bracket Contest, but I can't remember the last time I actually went deep and won any money. I'm hedging my bets this year with Stat Hero. Stat Hero's NCAA single pickums pit the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their games winning more and more because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fix. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be, Stat Hero. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Be sure that you come back on March 14th because the Locked On Bracket Breakdown will be right here on the Locked On Texas Tech podcast feed and YouTube channel. College basketball experts Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, and betting expert Lee Sterling give you in-depth breakdowns on every matchup. All right, we've mentioned his name a couple of times already. Let's just go ahead and uh, start talking about Tyrese Hunter he, he's been playing really, really good basketball as of late, um, especially in the playmaking department. As you mentioned, uh, the shooting has not been great, uh, but his last three games have, have caught my eye. Um, he has had 26 assists to seven turnovers in his last three games. He's averaging 9.3 points, 8.7 assists, 2.3 steals, and then 2.3 turnovers. The bad side, shooting 26% from the field, 21% from two, 36% from three, 72% from the free throw line. Not great in that department, but man, the playmaking is really, really intriguing. Like, I think even if you wanted to do a little hypothetical and think about what this guy would do on Texas Tech's roster, it, it's pretty insane to think about, but what have you seen from Hunter the last couple of games? Obviously there's concerns to be had, but a talented player nonetheless. Well, you can actually extend it out to the last five games or so, and he's averaging 8.4 assists over that stretch and still not shooting particularly great. But I look at just his way to impact the game while still really not being all that efficient from the field. And I mean, Obviously, you have the playmaking. That's the number one thing that comes up with Tyrese Hunter. It's been the case really throughout the season with maybe a little bit of a lapse in the early part of the season. Um, Obviously, we've seen... evolve we've seen sort of him get more comfortable against that level of competition and eventually I mean you get to these last five games of the regular season and even with him struggling from the field which I don't think we're going to be able to expect him to become a lethal shooter anytime soon but it's something that he still has 
the ability to impact that game offensively. And then defensively, I think he's one of the more underrated on-ball defenders in the conference. And certainly the steal rate isn't quite as high as a guy like Marquise Noel's is, but still, I mean, that's a really high bar to cross. And you look across the season, and he's been really good just in terms of being having active hands. And he's got the burst to be able to hang out, hang keep up, excuse me, with just about everyone in the conference. And, I mean, I've been impressed with his defense throughout the season. Even in the first Tech game, I felt like that was one of the strengths that he was able to really limit what Tech's guards were able to do. And obviously, you were limited to just arms, Warren and Adomi in that game. But still, like, those guys are still D1 players and still capable of getting to the rim. And he really did a good job of keeping them out of the lane. So I think Hunter's one of the more intriguing skill sets just because the scoring's just not there yet, at least not there consistently. But his playmaking, I mean, he's one of the better playmaking guards we've seen to come through the Big 12 in the last few years. I would say he's up there with like almost to like a Trey Young level. Not quite, but certainly like the skill set and the passing ability is there to eventually become that type of passer. Well, the thing that's dangerous about him too is that like he's a freshman and he's not going to be a one and done guy. Probably not even two years and done. He'll probably be in this league for a minute. Um, and so it's just really scary to think about what this guy is going to be in, in a few seasons. I mean, he's really, really talented. You look at his totals from this year, and he is all over the place. Um, he is second in the conference this year in assists. He was first in steals. He's also first in turnovers. <laughs> so just kind of all over the place, playing like a freshman at times. But, man, Talent is definitely definitely there. Really excited to see what he becomes in a couple of years. That'll obviously be bad news for Texas Tech, though. Uh, on the other end, everybody that uh, or the guy that everybody wants to talk about is Isaiah Brockington, kind of a an unintentional public enemy for Texas Tech fans right now. Kind of got cross caught in the crosshairs of the uh, Big Twelve Newcomer of the Year award. Um, but man, hard to argue with what this guy. Uh, has been doing this season and especially as of late he has just been on a tear Um, just been playing really really good basketball Uh, in his last four games he is averaging 19 points per game 5.5 boards two assists almost two steals one and a half turnovers shooting 44 uh, 37 and 58 so pretty good splits he had one of the most electrifying performances I've ever seen uh, when he put 35 on West Virginia, went five of eight from downtown. It was a fabulous basketball game. I mean, just really, really, really good basketball. Uh, but Brockington, obviously a guy that just does so much everywhere. Um, he's an extraordinary offensive rebounder for his size. I was on the, the Iowa State Daily podcast the other day talking to Matt Bellinson about this team and, and and just saying that this is a guy that kind of reminds me of like a Kyler Edwards type build and the way that, um, you know, you put this guy in, in Samson's system and, and how many rebounds per game is he going to average? Like, it's just nuts. His ability to get around the rim is really, really impactful. And that was something that showed up in that second game in Texas tech. He, he was a big part of uh, kind of leading that charge for, for the Cyclones down low. He had three offensive rebounds in that game. And this is not a guy that's, you know, Marcus Santos Silva. This is, Six four, Isaiah Brockington, and so I mean this guy. He just he he's very active. He's eighty five percent of their offensive scoring. Does a ton of stuff for them, and is just a really really gifted. Not quite three level score, but he scores um, in the mid range easier than anybody I've seen in the conference this year. Maybe a 
maybe Abaji takes the the seat there, but um, scores in the mid range so well, scores at the rim so well. He's just he's a fantastic player, man. Yeah, I mean, I would still give it to Brockington over Agbaji from the mid range, but certainly, I mean, you mentioned his offensive rebounding. I think that's a good point. And I think often goes overlooked overlooked with him is he's just such a versatile kind of Swiss Army knife type of player. And obviously I mentioned earlier, his playmaking probably isn't what you would want someone who's a lead guard to be, but he's also, he knows his role pretty well. He's been good as a secondary ball handler and it's not like he's incapable of initiating for others. I think maybe that's something that we've seen consistently from his time at Penn state to now, and just being able to kind of play that secondary role, but yet he's able to still carry on a high usage as a scorer. Um, and certainly, I mean, his mid range ability is phenomenal. He's one of the few guys that I would say really can make it an efficient shot compared to what his three point shot is. And I think that also speaks to the fact that coming into the season, he was not someone that was particularly known as a shooter. I mean, you look at his time at Penn state, he shot under 28%. Obviously, his first year at St. Bonaventure, he was over 40. But again, that was all on really low volume. And kudos to him. I mean, he knows his game really well. He's good at getting pull-ups. He's pretty good at getting the rim. I think that's one of the areas where some of the other guys that you'll see with his sort of skill set that don't really rely a ton on his burst and sort of strength to get to the rim. A lot of times you'll see those guys struggle to get to the lane and put up those shots at the rim, but he does a good job at least getting there enough to keep the defense honest. And like, if we're talking a guy like Kyler Edwards, that was one of the things he struggled with. Certainly other guards in the conference, even a Tyrese Halliburton. And I'm not comparing Brockington Tyrese Halliburton, obviously playmaking they're in completely different stratospheres, but sort of the similar style of limitation and I think it's something that Brockington's done even better and just being able to get himself to the rim. I mean, he shot over 120 shots there. He's shooting at almost a 60% clip. And I mean, you look at their entire season and he's really just kind of been their one constant. Like even in the games where they've struggled, he's been able to put up 10, 11, 12 points and at a minimum. And then at some certain games, like you mentioned, the West Virginia game stands out. The Iowa game. I mean, I watched that game early on in the year and he was pretty much single-handedly the reason they were able to turn that into a blowout. And then you look at even in other games, like against Tech at, Tech at home, like if they don't have Brockington knocked down, I think it was a four-point play, they probably don't walk out with a win. So his ability to make sort of clutch shots and be their main initiator offensively has been critical because without him, they don't have a guy that can really do that. They kind of struggle with guys that can both create their own shot and are actually efficient shooting it. And I mean, maybe that's something Tyrese Hunter develops down the line. I mean, he's one of the most intriguing prospects that we've seen in the Big 12. And what is it about Big 12 guards that stay for multiple years that are already looking like stars in their freshman year? But certainly, I mean, Brockington's really important to what they've done this year. Yeah, I mean, they they just would not be half the team that they are without him. It's incredible the value that he's provided All right, almost tip-off time. We will give you our keys to the game after a quick word from Run Your Pool and Bet Online. March Madness is just over one week away. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework here and we're running brackets with RunYourPool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick-X. They have options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks. All stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. 
If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance, props to where the next fire coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, and it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Big 12 season coming to a close. Texas Tech might be uh, one of the last times they see a Big 12 opponent all season when they tip off against Iowa State tonight at 8.30 Central. Late tip, it's going to be a... Uh, going to be a late one for the red raiders but hopefully they have plenty of gas in the tank to take on this team uh emory i I know that we talked a little bit about this in our uh our our last couple of episodes but just looking out at the tournament um it looks like you're gonna have kevin mcculler back he's been practicing this week uh full throttle um tj's tj's practicing He, he should be good to go um so you've got really most of your roster as as good as you'll have them at this point what what's your mindset going into the tournament if you're texas tech do you do whatever it takes to advance or do you just kind of coast and see what happens well now that you have all the pieces back i say it's time to go pedal to the metal all gas no brakes as texas football would say and i mean this this is a situation that can you can really help yourself you can get get up a line or two on the seating but more importantly this is a chance to get back into rhythm and I know that they haven't been playing that badly you only lost by one to Oklahoma State you were in the game the whole time against TCU you've had good leads in every game you've played dating back to the Baylor game that you blew wide open so it's not like this is a team that's been struggling significantly but you have lost a couple of games lately and in the second half offensively you've struggled and I think that to be able to get everybody back into rhythm, get the lineup sorted, because we've seen some very strange lineups as of late. I think that's what I'm going to be focusing on. I'm not overly concerned about the about the result. I feel like the result might come with the way that things play out, but certainly just being able to get everyone back into a rhythm. This isn't a situation where you can just coast knowing that you've been peaking at the right time. This isn't a 2019 team that won nine straight games heading into the conference tournament and can kind of afford to maybe take their foot off the gas a little bit against West Virginia, not saying that was the right move, but I mean, this is a team that I think you really have to sort of get things figured out a little bit. And I mean, it's not the end of the world if you lose this game, but certainly it's one that you have the opportunity to kind of get things figured. And certainly with McCuller back and with Shannon, hopefully having some more rest, it will help out in terms of just getting everyone back on the same page, sort of helping out the ball handling and hopefully getting the offense in a better rhythm. Yeah, used used a key phrase a couple of times there, um, getting back into rhythm. And I think that's a really, really good place for Texas Tech to place their emphasis in this game. Um, I, I wasn't really clear on, on Kevin McCuller's health. I had heard a couple of different things, but Mark Adams made it very obvious in his press conference today that he he's feeling better than he's felt in months. And so I think with, with that known, um, you can play him in this game. 
I, I even mentioned in our in a couple of episodes ago that even if he just went through warmups, I'd be happy. But now I think you can play him in this game, get him some run, let him get his lungs back, let him get his legs back under him, figure out your rotations, whatever you're doing. Please don't run another KJ Allen, Buzo, Clarence Nadolny lineup. Please, please give me Kevin McCuller back in one of those. But uh, don't say anything. Please, please don't say anything. We, we, we don't have time to talk about this lineup, man. But uh, I, I think that you've got to sort that out. You, you've got to figure out your rotation. You've got to figure out what you're doing on offense. I think that KMAC, especially in those scenarios, plays a really, really big role in just figuring out what you want to do where you want to run your offense through, who you want to run it through. I think that he'll really help you at least discern some of what you can do there. I I don't know if he unlocks all of it, but I do think that that's a really good place to start. And so I, I think that's one of my keys to the game. Like, honestly, um, and, and, it, and it may not be a key to a victory, but I, I don't really think that that's important. Like Texas Tech should be trying to win this game. They should be trying to win the whole tournament. Like this is, this is why sports teams exist to win games. But I, I think that Texas Tech, if they lose this game and they figure out what we're doing on offense is not working, they keep everybody healthy. That's more important than if they win the game, uh, just kind of crawling through the mud. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that they, they will make a much, much deeper run in the tournament as a result of that. The NCAA tournament, obviously, because they'll be eliminated from the Big 12 tournament. But also, as I mentioned earlier, one quick last key to the game. I think that Texas Tech has got to uh, make shots on the perimeter. I, I think that that's been a particular weakness against them uh, or with them against Iowa State. They went 3 of 17 in the first matchup, 3 of 16 in the second matchup. Uh, you're probably not going to have a free-throw rate of 83% in this game. <laughs> Create open shots, knock them down, limit those from your opponent. Um just, just figure out what you're doing on rotations. I think that getting that uh, with, underneath Texas Tech as well will, will be really, really good for them. Yeah. I mean, first off, I feel more confident about the offensive flow. Just being, just having the full lineup back at your disposal and not having any kind of limit guys minutes like that, that can't be understated because I do think that some of the lineup tweaks are going, not all of them. I mean, I still think there's very little excuse to be playing a lineup that includes Buzo, KJ Allen, Malik, and Clarence all in one lineup. But certainly, I mean, just some of that lineup tweaking was as a result of having McCuller out and having TJ kind of being on a little bit of a minutes limit, especially against Kansas State. And I'm optimistic that with those guys kind of being back, you're going to be able to have more functional lineups. So I don't think that absolves all of the issues you've been having lately. Certainly. I mean, the reliance on the post offense is something in the second half that I think you've got to work on. And I mean, we'll see. I think that, like you mentioned, being able to sort of have the right process in this game is going to be more impactful than the right, right result per se. But I also think that if you can get the process right, if you can start running more crisp offense, get guys in the rhythm, like I've mentioned, kind of get the right shots, then that gives you a good shot to win the game. And if it doesn't, then it's not the end of the world. Things things happen in basketball. Crazy stuff happens. But certainly you don't want to repeat of what happened in Oklahoma State where you went almost nine and a half minutes without getting anything good going in the half court. And I think that's just the key. It's just getting everything back flowing offensively. Defensively, I think you should be fine against this Iowa State team. Watch that come back and burn me. But certainly – 
on the the offensive side is where you're going to see the development and where Tech has been struggling as of late. And one last thing, I mean, we mentioned that you're obviously playing to win the game, and obviously that's something that happens in sport, sports unless you're the Portland Trailblazers as of late. But as a whole, like this team, you don't need to necessarily come out and win everything in Kansas City to feel good about where you're at in the NCAA tournament. I would even say if you beat Iowa State and you go into tomorrow and you lose a close game to Baylor, but you've seen sort of a shift in the right direction over those two games, I'd feel a lot more confident about that than I would any sort of result in which they back in their way into the championship. And now, obviously, there's things that can happen that would sort of change that. And obviously, if you play well, you're probably going to win. That's seemingly an old adage, but still, like, just looking at how this team plays, I think we're going to get a good sense in the next 40 minutes of basketball where this team stands heading into March. And then we can play the Baylor game, hopefully, and get a good idea of just everything going on. And if Tech can win their third time against Baylor, then we move on from there and we say, wow, this team's back to being a potential national championship contender. The last time before the season, the Texas Tech split Baylor was 2005. That was also the last year that they won multiple games in the Big 12 tournament. Maybe it'll happen, man. Maybe it's a maybe it's fate. I am going to pick Texas Tech to win this game, mainly because I picked them to win uh, on the Iowa State Daily podcast, and and I'd feel bad if I didn't pick Texas Tech to win this game as again. I don't feel great about it. Uh, it's really a coin flip for me. T Rank has the odds at a twenty three percent. I I think. That's pretty favorable. I think the the line this the line opened at like seven and a half for tech, which feels steep, very steep, um, especially after Iowa State is coming off a six point loss to Baylor, something like that. It's just it, it was a little surprising to me. Uh, I'll pick Texas Tech winning sixty one to fifty nine. Rock fight. It will not be good basketball, but Texas Tech will win. All right. Well. I'm going to pick Tech to win. I don't feel good about this. I mentioned on the Big 12 crossover episode that we filmed or we did, we recorded yesterday that I felt like this was going to be a tournament where we could see Tech get to the final. But at the same time, all of the past history of Tech in Big 12 tournaments is pretty haunting. They've only won one game dating back to 2015. And those are some good Tech teams that have played during that time. So it's not like you've been a bottom feeder that's been losing games that you would expect to in fact, you've been favored in, I believe, three of the losses that you've had in the Big 12 tournament. Um, how much of that was Chris Beard? How much of that was Mark Adams? How much of that was Tubby Smith? Who knows? But it's not doesn't feel great picking four tech in the Big 12 tournament. But I think this is a good matchup for you. I think Iowa State is a team that really kind of doesn't have a lot of outside shooting and they don't have one particular guard that's outstanding at getting dribble separation and then dishing. I think Tyree Saunders is the closest thing they have to that, but his lack of shooting is something that's going to hinder him to some degree. And so I'm going to pick it to be a rock fight because I also think Iowa State's defense is really good. And I just don't have faith in Tech being able to turn the corner this quickly offensively. So I'll go Tech winning this one. Not quite as low scoring as what I predicted in the first matchup in Ames where I said it was going to be 49-48. I'll go 57-55 this time in favor of Tech. So a close game, low scoring, probably going to want to throw something at the TV, but at the end of the day, Tech advances to the semifinals. Yeah, a good old eye bleeder, and that actually may fortune Texas Tech's odds considering the way that they played offense the last couple of games. But we will be back tomorrow to talk about 
this contest, whatever it ends up being, uh, maybe a Texas Tech win, maybe a Texas Tech loss, who knows. Either way, we will be back. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at OurMainVLBK. You can follow Emery at Eraser41. You can follow the official Locked on Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked on TTU. Be sure to subscribe to our feeds and leave us a review wherever you get podcasts if possible. It would be a great help to us as well. Make sure that you're subscribed to our YouTube. Again, I'm going to keep being that guy until more of our listeners subscribe to our channel. Um, But thank you for making Locked on Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now be sure to make Locked on NFL Draft your second listen. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis from college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for joining us. We will see you tomorrow.